0: Morning Liberty. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson, with me as always, the one who knows just about everything there is to know, but not everything, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. How are you doing today? Oh, Freaky Friday. It's one of my favorite days of yeah, the
1: week. It's, it's It's a sad day, but a good day. I know because it's freaky. You got to wait until Monday to take any more trades. Mm -hmm. You just got to wait all weekend. Unless you've been trading that
0: crypto, man.
1: Yeah, I guess you could trade crypto. Yeah, I don't I don't know. You one of them Bitcoin millionaires? No, you know, I never got into the to the hype over all that stuff. (laughs) I've got a little bit of chain link right now, but, uh, you Uh, know, I'm not trying to make a living off of it or anything like that. How many chains do you usually wear? As many as I can, man. I got my chains on even when I'm in the house. So. <laughs> and they're all linked. Yeah. I wear every single chain even when I'm in the house. So,
0: But as we mentioned, this is the Good Morning Liberty Podcast, a place where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning, which means, uh, I mean, we talk a lot about politics and economics, but also how does that apply to your life? And then what's the personal responsibility of on your part, despite what's going on in the political realm? To uh, pursue that life of meaning because happiness is just fleeting. I think the founders got it wrong. I think they really did. They got it wrong on happiness because there are going to be times where you're not happy. Trust me. There are plenty of times.
1: And if your pursuit is always happiness, then there's going to be a lot of times where you're going to be disappointed. You will be unhappy and you'll feel like there's no point in going on because I'm not happy. I just got to pursue happiness and I'm not, I'm not
0: fear mongering here, but if you're happy right now, just wait, it's coming. (laughs) Something's going to happen. And you know what? It's a
1: rather bleak outlook, Charlie. (laughs) It really is. Well, but the thing about
0: it is, is taking personal (laughs) responsibility to pursue a life of meaning is what gets you through the hard times so that you can enjoy the good times even more. So that's what we talk about. And uh, today's uh, another great day. Another reason why it's a great day is because we have the Jason Stapleton on the program today. So excited about that. Another guy who talks a lot about personal responsibility and freedom. He's got a new book out called nomadic wealth. So we're going to be talking about that and, and catching up. We had him on the podcast uh, a few months ago. So catching up with Jason Stapleton, see what, see what he's been up to lately.
1: Yeah. Very excited about this one. So without, without any more weight, without further ado, we'll bring in Jason Stapleton. What does a do mean? I don't, I don't know. I heard it's a figure of speech, Charlie. <laughs> I'm not going to give you any more ado. There's not going to be any further of it at all. There's no further here ado. Here we go. All right, guys, we are here with the one and only Jason Stapleton from Wealth, Power, and Influence. He's got a new book out called Nomadic Wealth, which we've been reading over the past over the past week or so, and I know Charlie's just been getting real deep ingrained in there. What do you think so far, man? I'm just
0: getting all nice and deep, like
1: <laughs> Jason. How you feeling today so far? Well, actually, I'm sorry to ask you that question, but how's it going today, man? I, I'm doing good. I'm a lot better now. This morning, I I was I thought I was going to
2: die this morning. It was I, it's the weirdest thing. I, I when I I have this I have this chiropractor who's also a physical therapist, a massage therapist, and she comes she comes to you like she'll do house calls, and so I have her come over. Oh, every other week or so. And just kind of work on my back and neck cause I'm old. And, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's something about, she's doing this cupping thing recently where she suction cups, my back. And I thought it was the stupidest thing ever, but it releases some sort of toxins or something in my body. Because if I drink any alcohol, like any, after I do a session with her, um, I, not only do I have a zero tolerance, but I have like the worst hangover. So I, I had to go out last, uh, last night and had a birthday party with a friend of mine and I just had I just had a couple of drinks and I was just sloshy and I came home passed out woke up this morning with the worst hangover I'm just like you know that when you're sick to your stomach I was just it was awful and I'm like what is going on and I that I, that's the only thing I can point to and it happens every time she comes over so I and every time of course I forget and then I'm miserable so this morning was was a rough show, but,
1: uh, but I'm better now. You, you talked about Nashville today, which is where we're from, and we were talking about that story yesterday. Just a crazy story. But what else are you going to expect? You know what, You can't really depend on people in power to, to tell you the truth all the time it's been No, a- no, I,
2: and I just, I said, dude, is it shocking to anybody that a, uh, that a political figure lied and yeah, <laughs> deceived right. the public There's- for their own gain? Like, is this, this shocks anybody? Yeah. Oh, I'm appalled. <laughs>
1: I can't, I can't believe this. I'm shocked this. to find gambling in this establishment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do man. we
2: do
0: about this? Oh,
1: just hide it. Oh, we'll just uh, get a new politician in there, actually. That'll, that'll fix everything. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, all right, man, well, you got a new book. You got a new book out called Nomadic Wealth. And I knew who knew <laughs> who knew about that, and so if you want, tell us a little bit about what the idea is behind that, and uh, and how that's going to help us actually achieve our libertarian dreams. This is a political podcast here, so uh-huh. but but maybe we're not going to do that through making sure we get the right people in power. Maybe we, well, can, I, we can do that thing. different way.
2: I have been you you and I we we you're you guys and and me are on have been on. Um, on the same side of this fight to kind of like increase individual liberty and economic freedom and uh, for many many years I in my personal life I followed a um, a set of principles about how about about being free and about the importance of accumulating wealth so and and owning your own owning my own business and all of that just trying to live my values Uh, you know I'm the, the whole don't hurt people, don't take their stuff, be self-sufficient. Um, I I won't be a burden to you and you don't be a burden to me. And and then we'll cooperate or compete based on you know, what's what's most opportunistic for each of us at the time. Right. So it, this was, and for many years, I did a podcast that talked about the politics, the economics, and the principles behind that. And what I realized was that, um, I wasn't having very much effect on the political on political change in the country. And as I looked back in history, I didn't see very many people have real uh, a real political impact. And so I started reevaluating kind of what it means to be free and understanding and kind of redefining what, what Liberty looks like and how we get it in our own lives. And I started. I can't. I came up with this idea. There's a there's old there's an old term called uh, digital nomad. It's not that old because digital nomad's relatively new, but it's this idea that I can work from a laptop from anywhere in the world, and it's really designed and and was created. The term was used more for freelancers, so people who could get work from anywhere in the world, but they could do that work on a laptop computer. And I took that concept of digital nomad, and I said. Well, how do we create like um, first first nomadic income? <clears throat> Excuse me, and then later nomadic wealth. So, and I start talking about the tenets of of what it means to be free. What do you have to have in order for freedom to exist? And um, you know, you need a mo- mobility, opportunity, and an acceptance of risk. And so, at, when I, I sat down and s- sort of write some of these ideas down, the next thing I knew, I'd written forty pages. And so I said, you know what? Let me let me just turn this into a book and see if I can't use this to promote some of the some of the ideas that I believe in. Um, and I don't know how long you guys have been following my show, but you know, if you go back a few years ago, I kind of changed the direction of my show and I stopped talking a lot about politics and and I stopped feeding that animal. And it was the best decision for me and my show uh, because it more closely aligned with what I think my real values are, which is listen. Wealth is a necessary component of freedom. Um, you ought to want as much as much money and as much power and as much influence over your life and over others as you can get. Uh, and if you are a good and honest and decent person who believes in the principles that, that we do, um, then we ought to be trying to help each other get as much of that stuff as we can. And so that's what the book is really about. It's uh, how to create predictable and sustainable income from anywhere on earth. And the idea is... If I can increase my income, it makes it easier to save and invest. And if I make my, if I control the source of that income and make that income as mobile as possible, then I stand the greatest chance of achieving maximum liberty in my own life, or what I call total autonomy. Um, and so that's really that's really what the book's about. And I appreciate you having me on to talk about it because it's 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 all of the ideas that I've had over the last couple of years put into uh, you know a hundred hundred Two-page book or whatever it ends up being, whatever it was.
0: Yeah, and and you know it's it's because what it, what is uh, the political realm made up of? You know, you were talking about how you kind of transitioned. Well, it's just made up of people, and so mm-hmm. a lot of people think, well, libertarian is some utopian idea; it's never going to work. How do you make it work? And the thing that you talk about the most, I think, is taking that personal responsibility, um, and then living out that personal responsibility. And so I think it's really cool that you kind of articulated all that, put it down in a book, and be like. Not only is it possible, but and not only have I done it, but you can do it, too. Um, and that's a lot what we talk about as well. I mean, we still we still dig in and feed the animal a little bit, I'd oh, say, yeah. on the political side <laughs> because we like it a lot. But, you know, it's really that personal responsibility because it's deeper than politics. It's about the individual.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you and I probably look at politics largely the same way. I I view it more as a sport than a, than like a a life or death sort of decision that we make. I watch it more for for the characters than anything else. I don't, I, I don't actually believe that the next election is going to affect my life all that much one way or the other. Um, I think where we run into problems is when we as as uh, as kind of figureheads for the brand, so to speak, um, begin to overly weight the importance of of politics and we don't and we start laying blame for our own failures um, or for the failures of others, on the fact that some sort of external force, some sort of po- some political party, or some some person's vote is somehow keeping me from from getting what I want in life. When in reality, your biggest enemy is you. You you can it's getting what you want is isn't always easy, but it is within your control. And I think I I was doing a huge disservice to my audience for the first four or five years that I did the show by not talking more about living the values about really if you if you say you want freedom you say you want autonomy you say you want liberty then live it in your own life don't just talk it don't be on forums and chat rooms and uh, and and all that stuff while you're still living in your mom's basement like actually get out and live your values and if you want people to listen to you be somebody worth listening to Demonstrate to them by the way you live and by what you've achieved that your way of doing things, your way of thinking, is better. Um, and that's what we're—that's tra- what I'm trying to do now with this. I, I don't know if you call it a movement, but with this this concept of of nomadic wealth.
1: And so you talked a lot about being able to generate income and a sustainable and predictable income. And how would you uh, differentiate that with with wealth? So you you make the income and you can find a way to make the money. How do you turn this into actually having wealth and how do you see those things differently?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, income is, is what we generate from the work that we do. So the greater the income, the easier it is to save and invest. It's it's really hard if you make minimum wage and you're trying to feed uh, a, a wife and two kids on that. It's almost impossible for you to build wealth. You don't have the income necessary. Every dollar that you have ends up going to pay for some necessity. And so raising your income is really important. and there are ways that we do that. And um, increasing your human capital is the number one thing. Learning new skills, learning more valuable skills, rare and specialized knowledge, those types of things pay a premium. Second thing is you build, building a brand, having having a reputation as someone who is who should be listened to, should be respected, uh, that also helps you increase what you can charge for what you do. Uh, the more the more you control that income, meaning entrepreneurship, uh, the greater freedom you're going to have, but once you have built a, a decent income, now we move over to wealth. And wealth it can be measured a lot of different ways. A lot of people think, well, that's the money that I have in my investment accounts. That's the passive income that's generated through those investments or through other other property that I buy. Uh, for me, I try and look at wealth differently. Uh, wealth in my in my mind is measured in time, not in dollars. And so for your listeners, the way you determine how much wealth you have is you say, OK, if I lost all of my income today, not my investments, but if my income stopped, how long could I live before I had to start changing my lifestyle, before I had to start making cuts and, and rolling back some, shut the cable off, whatever it is, how long is that? Is it a day? Is it a week? Is it six months? Whatever time period that is, that's how much wealth you have. You have six months of wealth, you have a year of wealth, you got 10 minutes of wealth, right? And so my idea is I want to create a I want to create a life where my income can be generated from anywhere on earth where that income ceiling is unlimited. Uh, and where I can then begin to move that into other uh, savings and investments that uh, that that don't have a that that aren't bound by nation or um or 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 by nationality or location, and that's when you truly become free. When you can finally say, "I don't need anybody for anything," and I, I, it's not that we don't need friends and relationships. That's not what I'm getting at. When you're beholden to no one, when when no one can hold anything over you, uh, we used to call it "fu" money. <laughs> um, when you have that, you're free. And when you can, when that income is transferable, if I can leave the if I can leave the country tomorrow and be up and running with my business the next day in in Italy, in Rome. And I don't lose a beat, man. I that that's real freedom. And so I, I basically in the book, what I try to do is show people, give people a roadmap to that, and show them, hey, here's conceptually how it works. Here's what you need to do to get started, and then that's kind of where I close out the book. I said this this path is really well worn. Like, there's lots of people who have done this, and more and more people are doing it every day. And it, all you gotta do is follow this path, and uh, and that's that's where I kind of leave people at the end of the book. And so I, I hope that people are inspired to get out there and try and create a little bit more freedom in their own lives, rather than waiting around for for their government to. Uh, un- unleash
0: the shackles
2: or loosen the shackles around their
0: hands and hell in 10 or 20 years. I mean, it may, you may be able to, you know, operate your business from the moon or Mars or something <laughs> yeah. like that. We'll see For if sure, we're, yeah. whatever Elon decides to do. We'll Screw see the earth. I'm going to run this shit from moon, the moon.
1: <laughs> the sec is not on the moon. Right. So we're going to go over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, did, uh, did you, did you start writing this book before the pandemic and the lockdown started? Did, or was it afterwards? No, I, I I started it. So let's see, when the first when the first when the pandemic
2: hit and it looked like everything was gonna shut down, and you saw people really the stock market took a huge dump. Um I I left town, I left Los Angeles and I rented a, a Just a a beautiful home in Palm Springs, and I spent a week or two out there. I can't remember uh, just hanging out, and I taught a class on to a bunch of people on how to trade currencies, and I showed people, hey, how to invest their money. And I said, "If if you this this. This downturn, because I was calling for a collapse. And I said, it was predictable. You could see it. If you knew how to read a chart, you could see that it was going to fall apart. And I was teaching people that course over, over that couple of weeks that we were there. And then when I came back, I sat down I said, dude, I've been preaching this for two years that people need to control their income. They need to start their side hustles because eventually we're going to go into a recession and everybody who feels safe isn't going to be safe anymore. And I was sitting around um, just – I do – I was sitting around. Here's the short end of the story. I was sitting around and it came to me, this concept of nomadic wealth, and I immediately started writing the ideas down. And I wrote the book in about a month. Um, But I – I do a lot of what I call scheming, and I, which is a lot of me just sitting around reading and 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 jotting down notes and coming up with ideas, and going on long walks. The bulk of my like really intensive work is spent just, or my of my day is spent sitting around just thinking about stuff, uh, which again is a pretty cool way to make a living. But that's I that's when I wrote the book. I wrote it in about a month, right here in this room uh, at the computer, right over at that desk.
1: Ground zero. All right. I <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I can't I can't think of a more important idea of you see all these people losing their incomes, losing the jobs, losing health insurance, losing all kinds of things. And they've bas- they're basically tied down to uh, what their government's going to allow them to do or uh, mm-hmm. whether or not their business can survive this lockdown. And and you talk a lot about how people go towards safety. All the time, and they think that having the nine to five is really safe. And I think this year has proven, if anything, that your nine to five is not really safe. Someone who's safe is someone like you, who probably didn't really matter whether or not we went into a lockdown.
0: And the book I'm, you said, I'm
2: safer than most people. That's that's for sure. I'm, I mean, i have I'm been blessed to to make a good living doing what I love, and I get to wake up every day and do what I love. But I. I'm strategically positioned with the type of business that I have, which is an information business uh, that I I don't, I have, my business has very high profit margins. It can be run from anywhere on earth. I get to spend every day helping other people get what they want, which I love doing. I I just think, I think information businesses are, are really the very best businesses in the world to be in. I just can't think of anything else that is provides a better quality of life than this and I, I'm I try and convince as many people as I can to to go that route because we're going to need it. Our education system, and I talk a little bit about this in the book, is just in shambles. And what we're going to see in the future is is a secondary education that doesn't happen at a college. It happens in small online courses that people take from actual experts who are doing the thing that they want to learn how to do, whether it's a hobby or whether it's uh, you know rocket science. It's it's going to be happening online. In courses from people who have been doing it for decades and uh, the more people that we can get doing that the quicker we'll solve the education crisis and problems that we have in this country
0: I think there's you know two reasons why people well there's probably more but at least two you know solid reasons why people don't succeed in uh, entrepreneurship or or whatever they want to do to create their nomadic wealth. And the first one is risk. And so you talk about in the book, you know, you ask the question, what is the safest place on earth? And you go into detail about what that is. So talk a little bit about risk and then what people consider to be safe and and what that actually gets you. Yeah, I think so.
2: When I talk about risk, I say, "I say, what's the safest place on earth? I said, well, it's probably in a maximum security prison that's located a mile under the earth where you're locked down 24 hours a day. And, you know, it can be really, really tough for you to get hurt um, in a padded cell, right? That's, that's kind of like I think of as, as the safest place on earth. Well, any Anytime we make you a little less safe or apply a little bit of risk, um, you gain a little bit of freedom. And we, everyone, your listeners probably understand this concept of a, as, as freedom, as Liberty expands, uh, I'm sorry, as, as uh, uh, what's the old saying guys, as as government expands, Liberty contracts, right? So we get the, the more laws, the more regulation, uh, the, the less freedom of movement, the, of course, the less Liberty we have. And so When I talk about risk, there are two different kinds of risk. There is, um, there's known and calculated risk, and then there's an there's unknown risk. And the problem is most people are choosing what they're choosing secure safety. They're choosing what they believe to be safety and security, when in fact what they're doing is exposing themselves to a massive amount of risk that they can't control. See, I, I I could I could go bankrupt tomorrow right i could lose my i could lose all my clients i could they could change the laws on me i mean they could there could be some things that would really put a knot in me and my business but the thing is is like i control all of that like i control the products that i sell i control the clients that i work with like i'm in control of as much of my business as is humanly possible and because of that I'm both aware of all the risks, and I'm in a position to make changes when I see those risks appear or when I see problems arise. For people who are working a nine to five job, and, and forty million of them found this out uh, over the last six months, mm-hmm. you're in control of nothing. Like you show up, you are completely dependent upon your boss to give you a job, to make sure the paycheck is there, to provide for the medical insurance, all of that stuff, and in a in the snap of a finger you can have all of that go away. It's it's a really, really scary thing when you think about it, just how little control you have over your own life when you don't control the income, where it comes to you and how it comes to you, um, and, and you don't control the processes that run behind it. So it is, while a lot of people think that they're safe, uh, they're really putting themselves at much greater risk than I am. People think that I got a lot of risk in my business and in my life. I just don't see it that way because
1: I get to control all of it. I think what a pe- what a lot of people don't realize is that you'll feel, uh, I-, I feel a lot more fulfilled. I find a lot more meaning when I'm actually working towards something rather than if I just had something. I've always been someone that said, I-, I would rather live in a cardboard box than just go get a nine to five. Now, that's not a knock on anyone who has nine to five and is perfectly happy with it. There d- takes all types of people, you know, and but are you that kind of person that when you are working towards something, it's better? Because I found when I got to the goal that I set out and I thought it was going to be amazing and I was going to be happy, that was not it. I needed a new goal after that. Yeah, I needed yeah. something new to work on after that.
2: That's a, that's, a, that's a good question. So this is the way I look at it. Um, First of all, I don't, I don't think there's anything as ha- like happily ever after. I, I talk about it briefly in the book as well. I think a lot of people think once they have a thing or they achieve a certain status in life that they'll, they'll, everything will be fine and they'll be happy and they find out that they're not. Um, I look at business and the work that I do as a feeder for the other parts of my life and things I want to do. So a lot of people work Monday through Friday so that they can live it up on the weekends. They work so that they can fish. I had a guy who I used to work with at an auto body shop who he loved fishing. And that's the all he did. All he wanted to do all day long was fish. Talked about fishing all the time. And he worked at the auto body shop working on cars so that he could fish on the weekends and he could take off and go to fishing tournaments. Well, I'm in a little different position because I wake up every day and I engage in work that I find really fulfilling and really interesting. But the money I make from that is used to feed my life. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs make the mistake of letting a business run them. So they they want to make a lot of money and they do, but then they're forced to work at this business all the time and they don't have a life outside of that. And they miss out on the experience of living life because they're caught in the mindset that, oh, as soon as I, as soon as my business is doing 10 million a year in revenue, or, or as soon as I'm making half a million dollars a year in income, then all of a sudden, then I'll slow down, then I'll settle down and I'll start doing, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy it. But they don't end up doing that. And so for me, the only time that I am, the biggest problem for me is that when my company is doing really well and uh, and I'm really flush, I tend to not want to work. I tend <laughs> to just want to go goof off because I got lots of things I like doing. And so I found that I have to get the money out of my bank account as quick as I can and stay as poor and as humbled as possible. Now, I don't mean I just spend all the money. But what I mean is I get it into other investments I reinvest it in the business, I do something so that I'm not just sitting on mountains and mountains of cash going, well, you know what I don't really don't have to work for the rest of the year so I just don't think I will. Um, and certainly somebody can do that if they wanted to, but for me i I try and stay hungry so that I can push myself and we all got to find a way to do that, especially when especially when you're the one, you're the one who's accountable to you. It's not like, it's interesting because when you, you know, as well as I do, entrepreneurship means, dude, nobody's looking over my shoulder. If I don't want to work today, I don't have to. And if I got enough money to live for the next two or three years without, without, a, you know, without working, uh, making a single penny, man, I might do that. So it's yeah. like, I've got to keep myself motivated so that, uh, so that I don't end up just being lazy for two or three years.
1: Yeah, I feel like that the really important part of that would be if you're doing something that you're really passionate about that'll get that'll get you out of bed in the morning and and get you to do something, you know, doing uh, we could do that, too. We spend a lot of time on the podcast and on the website, and we uh, also run a trading class and and then uh, another business as well. But the really passion projects are the trading and the podcast. And to me, I don't really see those as work. You know, some, I'm sure you've had this happen before, but you know, my wife will be like, "Oh, you've been you've been working on this stuff a whole lot," and I'm like, "I don't, I'm not working right now." I'm looking at stock charts. <laughs> this doesn't work. I oh, know my,
2: my fiance said the same thing this week because I've just been buried this week. Uh, we got a big campaign we're uh, we're launching on Monday. Uh we've been launching it this week, but it starts on Monday. And I've been in this room 12, 14 hours a day for the the entire week. And I it doesn't, I don't notice. She's like, Man, I haven't seen you at all. I'm like, Yeah, well, I've been kind of been buried for a little while, but it doesn't, it's not work to me. It is, you know, it's not, it's not gallivanting around the world just eating at fancy restaurants and laying by the pool. But dude, it's, it's interesting. It's fun work. It's stuff I love doing. Um, And I feel, dude, I, I had a conversation I had uh, interviewed somebody on my podcast that it hasn't aired yet. But one of the things that she said was, she said, you know, I almost felt guilty about pursuing, you know, fulfilling work because so many people she's from, she was raised by immigrants and she was a first generation American And she said, you know, my family, it was you do the work that you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to enjoy it. It's work, you know. And she's like, I really feel kind of guilty about choosing something that I'm passionate about and that fulfills me as a person. And I said, man, I would be angry at you if you didn't choose something that was fulfilling because that's something we have the ability to do in 2020. For the first time in our lives, we have the ability to choose work that really matters to us, that we find fulfilling and engaging. And man, if you don't do that, if you choose somebody else's path for your life and you're walking around today doing work you don't love with people who don't inspire you, shame on you because you don't have to live like that. You are wasting some of the most valuable years of your life doing unfulfilling work with terrible people. And Unfortunately, that message will not resonate with everybody. Um, but I'm only interested in talking to the people that it does. And if it does resonate with you or your audience, then, dude, I'll
0: I'll help you do it. I'll help you get that life. It's it's really exciting. Yeah, we call that pursuing the life of meaning. So yeah. You know, on this podcast, we talk about life, liberty and meaning because without pursuing something meaning because happiness is not always going to be there. So, but if you're pursuing something meaningful, something that you either enjoy doing or something that is like uh, honoring or whatever it is, that's fulfilling then you're going to have a reason to get out of bed every day. I, I think I'm a lot like you, Jason, and, and Nate will probably tell you this in, in the fact that I'm the same way with, um, you know, there are times where if something's due, like on Monday, I do have something big due. So I'm going to be working this weekend, but other times when something's not due, I'm like, Hey man, I'm going to go play golf today. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, let's go out to dinner and I'm going to take this vacation. And, and then like, I'll probably be working, you know, 24 40 you know 24 30 hours this weekend because there's something big to do on Monday.
1: Do you uh do you take a lot of brain breaks? Do you take a lot of time off? That's or? what I call them brain breaks. <laughs>
0: I I
2: I do. Like one I like living the life that I see I think a lot of people present a life of of luxury and a life of of you know of, like I said nomadic wealth. We travel around, you do whatever you want to do. A lot of people present that image um, but they don't actually live that life. Um, I like living that life, so I'll take off, and sometimes I'll—I still work, but we'll go and travel around. I'll—I'll I'll take three or four days off, and we'll go. I like—I um, like short periods, short breaks where I completely disconnect. So I cannot sit around for more than probably four, four or five days and not do anything. I will absolutely lose my mind. Um, and so what I try and do is I try and take these like, like long weekends, like a three day weekend and we'll go to, you know, we'll go to Arizona, we'll go to New York or we'll do something like that. And we'll, we'll just take a complete detachment from work. But beyond that, I, again, because I'm forced to stay hungry, I got to go back to work. But more importantly, I think I'd just go stir crazy if I didn't.
1: Yeah. I, I think, You need to be able to find a good balance. Well, not you, but people listening need to be able to find a good balance between guys like uh, you and Charlie, who, uh, and then me, who I cannot stop working. (laughs) I can't take brain breaks. I don't. I I I will not stop if I'm watching something. Even if we watch a movie, I've got to have my laptop out working on something, or I'm on my phone tweeting. Or and if something did really well, say everything's going really well, I would need to start another thing that wasn't going well so I can make it go well after that so,
2: so do you not deal with burnout then like do you is that no, just he not does something that you, no you, you I do. don't yes you do no.
0: <laughs> no I don't no I have to actually force him so Nate and I have been best friends for a long time and, and we're huh. really good business partners I actually have to force him to take breaks because I'm like eventually you get to that point no one can work 20 hours a day for you know 10 years so eventually you get to that point and I'm like hey man here's a gift card. Go see a movie by yourself because Nate likes doing that, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, I really, you know, I appreciate that. I needed that."
1: I I think that you're more likely to get burned out on things that you don't uh, that you're not really passionate about. I definitely see that. I I flipped houses for a while and I was working 18 hours a day for several years, and I definitely got burned out doing that. But I was I was working my butt off the whole time. When I'm doing this, I like I don't get burned out doing the trading class. I don't get burned out doing uh, the, the anything having to do with the, the liberty movement whatsoever. Decided I was going to start writing a book for both the trading part and the liberty part uh, mm-hmm. because, you, you know, you just need to. I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying it's the perfect way to do things. It's just <laughs> it's uh, it, I I'm just kind of recognize the way that my brain works. And I actually get more stressed when I take that time off because well, I, I'm no, not doing those reason. things. Yeah, that's the reason
2: I ask is because I know that uh, some guys work like that. Like some mm. guys, they just, they get depressed. They get, they don't want us, they can't shut off. They don't want to shut off. I was able to run in basically in the red for about six or seven years when I started my first company before I really hit a wall. And it was, it was pretty ugly just in terms of, I didn't want to go into the office. I didn't want to do anything. I shifted a bunch of work to other people. And I spent probably six months just kind of poking around doing nothing. And uh, and so, but I, I thought I could run like that. And I just, I, I did it for several years, but then I just, I collapsed. And so I've organized my life a little bit differently now. And I hope I got more balance. I know I have more balance, but um, I'm a lot happier now too
1: yeah, i I think I'm going on. let's see when did we first start touring and all that, Charlie. You know, for several of the years we were traveling around the world, and maybe that counts as taking some time off, too, but right. I've talked a lot of times on the podcast about how i I messed up while we were traveling playing music because I never enjoyed any of it. I was always working on the next thing all the time. And uh, if we got some to some really big milestone, I immediately set my sights on what the next milestone was and would never stop and appreciate anything. So uh, I definitely think that there's, there's gotta be a fine line there.
0: Yeah. There has to be that balance of the hunger and the desire, you know, like one thing, you know, people always talk about retirement and I'm like, retirement, like, I don't want to retire. There's something I always want to be doing. I always want to be pursuing something meaningful. You know, even if I make all the money in the world, then it's like, I want to be able to do something meaningful with my life because a lot of people retire, they, you know, they got their 401k and they, you know, that's, they be, they become a millionaire when they're 65 or 70 and then they retire and they die when, five years later because yeah. they don't, they don't have anything else to do. Um, so I, know I, I never. Reti-
2: I feel like retirement is death. I, my exactly. mom is in a position yeah. where she's like, she can't wait to retire, but she spent, you know, she spent 50 years, 40 years doing work that she didn't really want to do. And I'm like, dude, I go every, what would I do if I stopped working? Like, honestly, like I could, I'm, I'm lazy for a period of time. If I, uh, if I don't, if I don't put myself in a position to need to work, but at the same time, man, I can't imagine anything less fulfilling than waking up every day and knowing that there's nothing for you to do that day. Yeah. Like I, I just, that would uh, just kill me now.
1: Right. Well, well, retirement sounds terrible right now because I do something I'm passionate about every day. So I'm like, man, I'm really looking forward to this day where I no longer do what I'm passionate about (laughs) doing. You know, that doesn't sound good, really. It doesn't sound good at all. So (laughs) folks, if you're interested in day trading, you know, Charlie and I, we get up every single day and we start taking trades in the market. I cannot tell you just how fun, how exciting it is to get up and go through the market and to to look at what's going on with the price action is we have got a training course just for you if you have never traded don't even know a word yet when it comes to the stock market you can you can go to this course and start learning how to use a charting platform you can start learning how to place trades what the strategies we use every single day are so that's MasterMyTrades.com or MasterMyStonks.com.
0: And it's not even just a, a course, Nate. This no. is the Academy. This <laughs> is the Liberty Trading Academy where it it's really a community of people because as long as you sign up for the pre-market live, I mean, there we are constantly helping people. We do one-on-one. You can ask questions. Uh, we love to have your questions and answer those. So this is an entire community. You're definitely getting your uh, you're getting the most for your money.
1: We also trade live throughout the day. So as long as there are trades that we feel like taking, then we'll keep the live stream going after the pre-market. We'll pick out what trades we like starting a half an hour before the market opens. We pick out what we like, what price points we like, what the profit targets are, what the stop losses are for those trades. And then we keep trading live as long as there are things that we like. And we, we try to exercise all the patience in the world. And sometimes you don't have to take a trade. You know, that's okay. It's okay to not take a trade some days. But you can go sign up for the live pre-market, the live trading option at MasterMyStonks.com. And oh, by the way, if you want 20% off for two months, you can use the promo code 20STONK. It's Charlie's birthday month. And in honor of his 20th birthday, we are doing a twenty. I don't know why it had to do with your birthday I get month. older I just, and then younger. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what Charlie's age is. He still won't tell me. And, uh, I know that he's, he's mid forties, right? Mid forties, something like that. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know what it is. So you use the promo code 20 stonk. You get 20% off for two months after you go to mastermystonks.com or mastermytrades. Either Com. one. They both go to the same place. Some people, they don't know how to spell stonk. And obviously I recommend if you can't spell stonk, maybe this isn't for you. Honestly, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, there are some people who this isn't going to work out for. Not trading's not for everyone. It took me a while to convince Charlie that this was going to be his new obsession. Charlie, is this your new obsession? Yeah, I do obsess over it. Yeah, yeah. I mean just all the time just sitting I'm around looking at
0: charts right now.
1: Literally right now <laughs> as we're doing the ad you're watching charts. Just got six of them up <laughs> just watching charts. So if you think this might be for you then go to mastermystocks.com use the promo code 20stonk to get 20% off match my songs. Uh, I wanted to talk about the difference between someone who just has a business has, has some income and someone who's talk about the nomadic part, the important part about being able to, to move around. Cause you could have a business in your town or something like that, and you could be making some money, but you are kind of confined. Um, what, you know, is it important to always stay dangerous, to be able to, to stay mobile?
2: I, I for me, it is. And, and for the very reason that we see now with COVID is a great example of it, because there's lots of shopkeepers and owners who now have been told by their governments that they can't they can't operate anymore. Uh, it's 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 a it's a dangerous situation to be in. Say, say, for example, um, and a lot of people don't think this is possible. I think it's very possible that we could go the way of Venezuela. Uh, Venezuela, a generation ago, was one of the wealthiest nations in uh, in that part of the world, and they had the greatest oil reserves on, on the planet. And they went from being one of a, a great country to live in and visit to being an an absolute train wreck and all the wealthy people left but if you have a business here and let's say you have let's say you own a pizza shop right and you've managed to open up eight or ten or twenty pizza shops across the nation or across the state and dude you're you're doing well like you it's you got a hundred million dollar company everything's working you're looking at franchising and then all of a sudden man america just goes goes to hell um well what are you supposed to do now you, you you could pick up and you could go try and start again in another country, but you're literally starting from scratch. You 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 leave all of that behind. With the business that I run, and and other businesses like mine, is that I can very easily move my move where I live, my operation from California to New Zealand. And I'm not going to lose a single client. I'm not going to lose a single customer. I'm not going to lose a dollar in revenue during that transition because my business is mobile. And there are very few businesses where you can do that um, and and run a legit business. There's a consulting businesses. There are coaching businesses. There is uh, there's trading and investing, which you guys do. Um, And then there's real estate. And so I talk a little bit about a few of those in the book and I explain why some of them are good and some of them are bad uh, for creating nomadic wealth. And, and I just said, you know, for me, having the ability to make my business mobile from anywhere not only gives me travel freedom, the ability to move and work while I'm moving, but if things really do go bad, uh, I can move my entire business overnight to another country and there, there's, there'll be no
0: loss of revenue. Yeah, so you've been working from home for a while. <laughs> yeah, all these yeah. people that are like, oh, Zoom and Microsoft <laughs> Teams, what is all this? And like, oh, wow, yeah. been doing it for like five, six years now.
2: No, the only thing that's changed in my life is that uh, is that uh, my fiance is home all day every day. So you know, it's, I, I'm not all alone for the bulk of my time, and and that's uh, I you know, that's something that is, I think you I don't have to work that way like I could very easily rent office space and show up at an office and have every, my team come into the office I could do that if I wanted to I just don't want to I kind of like the solitude of the work that I do um, but if if you are a, a terrible extrovert and you don't want to sit in a room by yourself with no windows for 12 to 14 hours a day well you know you got options too because you run the whole show
1: that's right. <laughs> how bad how bad do you think it's about to get for uh, commercial real estate around the country? I I've felt I've Absolutely. been able to see in Nashville. I mean, we just went through this massive boom in Nashville. All these new places built and uh, you know, my wife was working downtown and now she might be working from home for forever now. New buildings down there where they're closing off all the floors. I mean, you got to think the downtown epicenters in these big cities, they're they're going to start collapsing from the center. Out, that's what I feel like is going to happen anyway.
2: Yeah, so I I think that I think it, it it's going to make a difference. So I I believe if you if you look at San Francisco, who was it? it? Was a big company that was that was supposed to lease up all this office space, and they just paid like hundred and ten million dollars or ninety eight million dollars to get out of the lease, uh, it, so that they wouldn't have to do it because they're sending everybody home and they're not going to do office space anymore. I think if more companies start to realize, hey, I've got 10,000 square feet of office space and and I only need need one because I can consolidate down and get my people working mobile and we now have infrastructure built and we've got organizational processes in order to run the business from a a, a virtual standpoint. I think if a lot of companies start doing that, you're going to see commercial real estate just implode. Um, we are going to see a lot of the retail stuff, at, and that that's going to a lot of those are not coming back. A lot of the restaurants that were there, I think Yelp said sixty percent of all their businesses are that are closed or permanently closed. But those that was going to happen anyway. You were continuing to see retail locations really start to implode. The old strip malls were going away, and and all of that stuff. So I think it's going to get. I think the whole system is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. If if you want my my honest opinion about it, I think that we're going to see a major economic recession um and both commercial and and residential real estate are going to be hurt as well. Not a residential not as bad as commercial, but uh, commercial for sure.
0: Yeah, I can't remember the actual number, but I read there was some, some amount of billions of dollars of unpaid rent uh during the pandemic. There's like oh, we're commercial. Not, yeah, and yeah. commercial. Yeah, we're just not yeah. we're not going to pay our rent. We're not Well, paying- it, I'm not
2: shocked by that because right. it, it's pretty simple that the Federal Reserve is giving as much money as the banks want to them to to keep their books afloat and to, and to make sure that uh, that they don't go under. So, why if you're a if why if you're a, a landlord, why would you pay the bank their rent? Why would you pay the bank their note if you were if you owned a business that the government said you can't you can't run, why would you pay your landlord I mean, everybody's just screwing everybody all the way to the top, and the Fed's going to backstop all of it anyway. So that's why you don't hear a lot of people talking about it or worried, because they know that the Fed is just going to print as much money as they have to in order to prevent the whole thing from coming apart.
1: Well, uh, aside from the uh, the terrible economic doom that we're looking at, on the on the positive side, I do see that people working from home and the the uh, all the the businesses realizing that they can have people work from home. It could end up. Uh, One, helping people move more towards things like what you're talking about in your book. Maybe they're going to find a side hustle and realize they could do something they're passionate about. Maybe they'll be happier because they're working from home and they're not spending time in traffic. I know my wife was spending about two and a half hours in traffic every single day, and and now she's not anymore. And so maybe she'll be a little bit happier. and, And the only bright side I can see through this whole terrible thing is maybe unfortunately through force the businesses are going to see I might lose a little bit of productivity because people are at home but maybe we're going to make up for that because we're not paying for all of the uh, commercial space and people are happier and 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 all of that there could be some bright sides to long term out of some of this i hope so
2: uh, yeah i'm i'm uh, long term i'm very optimistic about uh, about where we're going um, it, it it continues to be cheaper and easier for us to reach people and connect and ever costs are coming down across the board from productivity gains, you're going to have artificial intelligence and and automation is going to improve our lives in ways that we can't even understand biotechnology is they're doing some incredible things with biotech right now. It is um. It is. I mean, I'm really excited. I think this is the greatest time. As weird as it sounds, I think we live in the greatest time in human history. Uh, at at no time has have we had the type of opportunities we've had today. At at no time have we been, as I say in the opening bit to my show, so close to living in a world where we can achieve true freedom in our lives. It's very exciting, and I I don't think I think people need to be aware of the downside risks we don't want people living with their head in the sand. But if we dwell on that too much, and we, we don't see the optimism, we don't see all of the opportunity, and we're not sharing that with our audiences, we're doing them a real disservice, because th- the future really is going to be bright for the people who make the
0: right decisions. And that, that's like nothing could be more true, like especially, you know, the narrative, obviously, the media and, and the polarization and all of that. And, and you do obviously see some violence and things like that. But man, there's literally never been a better time to be alive. I mean, if you just compare it to whatever, even 10 years ago, I mean, the advances and opportunities that exist today, there's never been anything like it. I mean, the poorest among us are richer than Rockefeller ever was, you <laughs> yeah. know? It's, yeah. It's, yeah, we
2: have, it's a well, I mean, what we're doing right now, you know, personal computers and we're doing video chats. I, I when I started my first company, most of the videos that I put out, most of the trading videos I put out, I had to make them available for download because people couldn't stream. They didn't have the bandwidth to stream HD videos, 720p video on their computers. Now you can do it on your cell phone and it's not 720p, it's 4k. It's just, it's insane what we've been able to do in just the last decade. I'm, I, I could not be more excited and I want other people to be excited. I want other people to be able to be as happy and fulfilled as, as I feel like I am. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just lucky. Again, I'm just lucky that I get to wake up every day and and help people realize that in their
0: lives. I have to ask you one more, uh, kind of related to the book, serious question here. Um, what, was there any point throughout your career, be it, um, uh, trading or, um, whatever you've started, uh, your, your ventures that you've started. Um, was there ever a time where uh, things kind of kicked off slowly and you had those moments where you're like, oh man, this is never going to happen. I've put so much time and effort into it because one of the other reasons I, I think people don't pursue this type of life is they do start it out and then they end up giving up. Um, there were times when Nate and I, We're recording this. I'm like, dude, we're putting so much time, so much effort and everything. I'm like, when is it finally going to pop? And then it did. And I was like, okay, we like, we spent enough time. And I think a lot of people give up before they put in that effort. Uh, Did you ever have those moments? And, and then what would you say for, for folks to, to push through that and, and keep the grind going?
2: Yeah, man i i had them um I had them for a, a, I've had them consistently i I had it with my podcast as well, and I've told that story a lot. But uh, you know, one story I haven't really told is when I um I had a my business partner and I had a falling out, and um I ended up leaving that business. Uh, I, they, they filed a lawsuit against me because they didn't want me going out and doing it on my own. And, you know, they took, they came after me for a non-compete agreement. And, you know, I, I basically got wiped out financially at that point. And I started, I decided that I wanted to start teaching people the stuff that I do now, the consulting work that I do. And so I launched the new company and for about the first 18 months, um, I, I really didn't make much money at all. I mean, I was working all the time. I was trying different stuff. I was trying to get the messaging right. I was trying to find the right people and build my list back up. And, you know, it just, it takes time and it takes, if you don't have money, it takes a lot of time. It's really easy to get a million people on your email list when you have $100 million to throw at it. Okay, is really hard when you don't have any money and you're just putting out content all the time and hoping that it, it'll find the right people. Okay, It, it's, it is, you are going to be met in your entrepreneurial career with, uh, with setback after setback, failure after failure. Um, and one of the things that I, I try and do when I work with folks is I, I try and get them to the money as quickly as possible because the sooner you see it work, the sooner you start to see, oh yeah, I put, I I created this thing and, or I have this product or service and oh yeah, oh, that guy wants it. Like I found a dude who wants it. That is life changing. When you, for people who have never sold anything in their lives, who've, who've never actually run a business before, there are all the questions that crop up are, can I really do this? Will people really buy this? That's crazy to me to think about. No one will pay that much money I can't fathom the type of cash that you're that you're talking about. But then when you start to see it, you're like, oh, it did work. Oh, I did what I did what Jason said. And and it really worked like that dude bought it. Oh, and this guy bought it too. And oh, these people want it too. It all of a sudden, it starts to have you start to taste it and it starts to become real.
0: There's nothing more rewarding.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, it's it's amazing. And so yeah, I we could spend all an entire episode of me talking to you about how I all the failures that I've had and all the times that I just struggled and struggled and struggled to get something going. But I mean, um, you know, what is it? Two years ago, um, my little company was I had launched was doing probably two hundred fifty three hundred thousand dollars a year. That's it. And, and I know that sounds like a lot of money to a lot of people, but after you pay everybody off mm-hmm. and you got to pay all your bills, dude, you're, I got four kids to feed. It is not, a, there's not a lot of, there was no money at the end of that day. Um, and uh, next year, we'll probably, based on where we're going to come out this year, uh, next year, we're going to probably do 2 million, 3 million in revenue. Um, and so we're marching our way towards 10 million. And that's uh, the initial goal for the company. But, dude, Sometimes you got to struggle. Sometimes it's going to take you six months or a year or two years to get that first sale to figure it out. Um, It's one of the reasons I'm such a big advocate for, uh, as self-serving as it is, I'm a big advocate for buying information because the most difficult lessons you'll learn, the the hardest uh, and most expensive knowledge to acquire is the one acquired through your own efforts and energy. Uh, it's much much easier to go out and find somebody who's done what you want to do, and give them a little bit of money and have them teach you step by step how to do it. Um, that has that has saved me more time and more money than anything else in my business.
1: I think uh, definitely buying someone else's uh, information and their experience is is very important. A lot of people want to do it on their own; they want to figure out all that stuff on their own, you know. Uh, but uh, which which is great and can be very fulfilling, but. It, might take you 20 years to get the experience and the knowledge that someone else has already spent 20 years gaining that they're willing to teach you. So it's a big time saver for, for sure. I still, I sign up for things all the time. I'm so excited to learn new things. I'm a, I mean, Facebook and YouTube, they are, they know, They've got my name and my account number saved right there. When someone runs an ad, they know it's send it directly to me because I'm probably <laughs> going to pay for it more, more than likely. And, and I, I love it. I'll, I'll take someone's free trial or I'll take their first discount a month. Maybe what if I take this and it changes my entire life? You know, that, <laughs> is it not worth the the fifty bucks to potentially change your whole life. The investment. I, in your- I'm.
2: I got a call right after this. I'm. I'm hiring a guy to to work with me on some LinkedIn marketing, and he's going to be teaching me how to uh, how to generate some uh, like inbound leads from LinkedIn. Uh, something that I've been interested in doing for a while, and he's just crushing it. And so I'm like, dude, what do I got to pay to know what you know? Yeah, and uh, and so that I'm, I think I'm a, I don't know what it eats. I'm paying a couple thousand bucks is what it's going to end up being. But at the end of the day, dude, if, if I get one client, one, it's going to pay for it because, dude, my my monthly coaching fee is like five grand a month. So it's uh, it all all I got to do is get one sale, and it pays for itself. There's it's almost never. I I can't think of a single time. i bought information and it didn't pay off i couldn't pay for it couldn't make it pay for itself right
1: well we do i mean i guess this is kind of lifting the veil here just a little bit but you know we we uh advertised with you a little a little while back earlier in the year and we have Mm -hmm. a trading class going and i can tell you that um the the advertising was paid for uh that that was uh that was very nice for sure a lot of people that said they found us through your podcast and you just got to be willing to make those kinds of investments. And now, you know, we do the ads, uh, through, through you guys and Tom Woods and lines of Liberty and, and all the, all the greats out there. Um, you were talking about it was something I sh- struggled with a lot. So I thought it was, um, uh, could go a little bit more on it, but trying to not give up when things are really tough. Um, I think one thing that's really important is setting a time horizon correctly you know the, like when you're when you're talking to people do you say all right you wouldn't want to say you're going to start making a million dollars next month you know that you it, yeah. people i think think they're going to make it and blow up and be this overnight success which is hardly a thing that's uh, that's even real and what they really need to know is that this could take a year or it could take two years i think one thing people mess up with is they think it's going to happen overnight And when it doesn't, they give up. And definitely with a podcast, you know, you can't think that it's gonna blow up overnight or in six months even, (laughs) because if that's all we were doing and we didn't have the other businesses going, I mean, podcasts take a while to get to bringing that money in. You said it's important to bring the money in and show them the money, you know, real quickly. That's tough to do with a podcast, for sure. You, You gotta get to the point where you can sell ads and that's gonna take a while. If you're selling the product, you can get there faster, I think. Um, but do you, what do you know, what do you teach as far as having the, the proper time horizons and expectations?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question, and I know, having been in the industry that you guys are in for many, many years, I know how important properly setting expectations is, uh, especially for traders, because that can be that can be a grueling. It, it takes it can take years and years to really figure that out. Um, it shouldn't take that long as an entrepreneur to start making money if you if you've got a little bit of guidance. Um, but here's the way I I look at it: like this. First thing I ask is, who do I want to work with? Because there are really two different types of people. Who are going to come to me? Um, and this would be true in your business too. You you have your you have people who legitimately are trying to learn a skill, um, and who are willing to devote the time and the effort and the energy to learn the skill so that they can feed themselves for the rest of their lives. The other group is a group of opportunity seekers, and their goal is to make a whole lot of money really, really fast, and to live the you know the that wild and crazy life that they imagine. So in trading, he's the guy who's jumping in and out of positions, and he's screaming on the phone, and he's doing all that, just acting <laughs> acting a fool, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we all know that's not what real trading is. Real trading is pretty freaking boring when you're doing it right. It
1: should be, yeah.
2: And so, yeah, and so when <clears throat> um, when I market to people, I can market a couple of different ways. I can say, hey, I'm going to show you a quick and easy way for you to start making $100,000 a year or more for yourself from home, you know, from a coffee shop. Uh, and uh, even if you have no money and no prior experience, right? Well, if I do that, who am I going to attract? I'm attracting the opportunity seeker. But okay? The way I've always positioned myself in the market is to say, listen, this is going to be hard. It's going to take you a long time. I don't know how long, uh, but you are going to struggle. You are going to have failures. This is not, You're not going to be an overnight success. Um, but if you still want to do this, if you need it like you need air, if you need freedom like you need air, then I will help you. And I'll do everything I can to shorten that learning curve and to get you to profitability as fast as I can. Um, but that's the best gear. That's the best offer I can make to you because I don't know how long it's going to take, but I know it's going to be hard. You're going to have to really work if you want this, Um, but the payoff is worth it. God, the payoff's worth it. And then to demonstrate through your life and the way that you live um, that it is, that it is attainable and that you can, that other people can do it too. So I, when it comes to setting expectations, I do it up front and I only, and because I do it that way, I only attract people who are willing to put in the time and I don't deal with a lot of the problems that a lot of people do if they sell to opportunity
0: seekers. Yeah, that's a good, That's a very, very smart and good advice. Well, man, I know we're coming up on an hour and uh, we just really, really appreciate it. Good having you back on. Um, and, uh, you know, great discussion. I want to, uh, I want you to tell people where to go find and pre-order this book. You said it's for pre-order, right? And then comes out on Monday. So where do they go yeah. find this? How do they start their nomadic wealth journey? And it, on, you know, the path to true freedom, which is what we talk about all, every single day.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, just thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for letting me come in and talk about the book and share kind of what I'm doing. It's uh, I really appreciate it. You guys have always been great and, and, uh, and I appreciate you letting me do that. Um, if your audience would like, I'd like to give them a free digital copy of the book. If they go to nomadicwealthoffer.com, um, they can get a free digital copy and immediately after they take their free digital copy, it'll give them the opportunity to buy a paperback uh, we just ordered the first, uh, I think, thousand of those. They're going to be showing up on Monday and then we're going to be sending them out on uh, next week. And so uh, I believe on Monday it will also be available on Amazon.com so they can go there and they can they can get the book as well. But I, I'd love, I'm trying, I, I'm not trying to make any money on the book. You don't get rich off books um i think to print and ship a book and get it in somebody's hands is somewhere around 6 dollars or so and so we price the book at 9.99 just so that i make sure i'm not losing money uh, but, uh, I would be happy to give them, like I said, a free digital copy if they don't even want to spend any money. Cause the most important thing to me is that people have the knowledge and the information. So it's a uh, nomadic And then, uh, you know, if you guys want to listen to the podcast, it's wealth, power and influence,
0: uh, on whatever podcasting app you use. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to that interview with the Jason Stapleton, a guy who's probably becoming a friend of ours. Wouldn't you say? I hope so. Sounds,
1: yeah. It sounds like
0: it's it's friendship in the making.
1: One of my goals in life. So if he's not, then, (laughs) you know, maybe the next interview. I don't know.
0: Well, it's also really cool to like, you know, set out a a goal and someone that you used to listen to all the time uh, ends up coming on your show and it's a cool thing. Are you saying
1: you don't listen to him anymore?
0: No, I'm I'm not saying that, (laughs) Nathaniel Paul. I'm saying I used I'm just, it used to be someone I... Thought was real famous.
1: You used to, you still do, but you used to. Well, yeah. Too. Uh, yeah. That's that's As what Mitch I'm trying Heberg to say. say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> used to, but I still do. But you used to, too. <laughs> but I used to, used to, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Without further ado, I used <sighs> to, too. So, no, but it was, it's, it is an honor to have him on. It, you know, we, we really appreciate having him on. And uh, it's just, it's, it's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. I, I just, that's what I love about Freaky Fridays. You never know what you're going to get.
1: Today it was Jason Stapleton.
0: Today was Jason Stapleton. So, Jason Stapleton.
1: <laughs> so uh, go to nomadicwealth.com and get your copy of that book. Listen, it's time to take charge, take control of your wealth. All right. So go to nomadicwealth.com and get on that new book. You want to tell people about the Patreon? Yeah. Too?
0: Yeah. Y'all need to go to Patreon because you could have watched this interview live If you're part of the Patreon group, like our Patreon group got to do, they get to ask questions and comment and all kinds of cool things. So if you want to be a part of that, for as little as five bucks a month, you go to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. That's patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. There's all kinds of tiers in there, but I'm telling you, for as little as five bucks a month, you get access to live group and all kinds of other cool perks. I am reviewing Braveheart on Monday, so make sure you watch that over the weekend, please, uh, because it's going to be an epic Review of Braveheart. Um, I might even sneak Castaway in this weekend if I have time. So it's uh, I'm not going to review that one yet. Okay. But I'm just going to get it in there.
1: I'll and do then... my Castaway review the following Monday. Okay, okay.
0: <laughs> so if you want to be a part. Of the In Crowd. If you want to be part of the cool people who watch that movie, then uh, please watch that movie and then you need to be You need to be
1: in the in crowd so you know why we're joking around about Braveheart That's and Castaway, right. yeah. actually. And <laughs> so. to be
0: part of the In Crowd, you go to <laughs> Patreon.com slash good liberty, hang out with us and Sam and Maurice and uh Josh and Paul. Jeff, Paul, Tim, Cheryl. There's all kinds of cool people Jim. in there. Uh, not there Rachel? I'm trying to think because we usually list off a lot of guys. There's girls in there, too. So
1: it's for everyone. And if we didn't say your name, it doesn't mean that we don't care about you. It just means you need to up your subscription level. Todd. (laughs) Todd. Todd. (laughs) Kidding about subscription level. We appreciate all of you guys equally. Although some of you, we appreciate three times more than others.
0: (laughs) Some Patreon supporters are more equal than others. (laughs) So... Guys, go sign up, patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. And then please leave us a rating and review. That helps us out way more than you know. Um, we did this contest not that long ago where the rating and reviews just went through the roof. And it was just so nice to hear everything that you guys were saying about us. I know it wasn't because there was a chance to win money. I know it was because deep down inside, that's the way you clearly feel about <laughs> us. And I uh, really, I couldn't appreciate it more. And that helps us. Uh, show up in the searches and everything with the algorithm. So leave us that rating review on iTunes and then share the show with your freaking communist uncle. Okay. He needs to hear it. And uh, maybe your socialist aunt. Yeah. And those folks need to know. And your MAGA dad. And your MAGA dad. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Share it with all of them. And if you guys do all that, we'll be back again on Monday. Hope you have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.